It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Alright everybody, welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast. My name is Jeff Buck, I'm writer for The Athletic, and each week I ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver. Up next is Brad Kozlowski, who is the driver slash co-owner for RFK Racing. And boy, I've been doing these uh, a long time with Brad Kozlowski. I looked it up and he was part of the inaugural uh, 12 Questions class back in 2010. And uh, this is how long ago it was. One of the questions back then was, what is the first thing you do when you get home from a race weekend? And his answer was to turn on his computer so he could look up the points and see highlights and see the news from the race and things like that because we didn't have smartphones back when we started doing this series of 12 questions interviews. So uh, that's how long it's been. Pleased to have him on once again. And let's give our interview a listen. All right, everybody. I'm here with Brad Kozlowski for another 12 questions. We've been doing this, I think, since 2010. So it's been a good run. Yeah. Yeah. Does, this, does that mean this is the end? Been a good run? Uh, say well, when it's over. <laughs> no, it's, it does kind of sound like a really a finale. You're like, I'm not doing this after this. Segment. No, I'm not <laughs> saying that. I did not say that for the record. All right. Uh, I'm just saying it's been a good run. It can continue to go. Oh, thank you. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the first one is, and I, I know you have your own plane now, but um, how, how do you feel about people reclining their seats on airplanes, namely uh, commercial flights or, you know? I get it. You're tired. You're on an airplane. I mean, I kind of want to recline my seat, too. I always feel like there's a middle ground, you know, where you don't go all the way. But, like, you go a little bit, and that's good. But, you know, if they, didn't want, if they weren't meant to be reclined, it wouldn't be an option. <laughs> that's a good point. It's a very good point. Uh, how often do you get recognized at the grocery store? Pretty much every time. Yeah. That's okay. It doesn't bother me. I love grocery shopping. It's one of my favorite things to do. Really? Um, when I grew up, my uh, grandma and I spent a lot of time together while my parents were traveling and racing and all that. And she was an amazing shopper. Like, and what I mean by is by that is she would shop and buy things and then resell them. Oh. She, uh, she was a super shopper. She knew where all the items on sale were. She had all the coupons. So she went to the grocery store every day. Wow, wow. And then she'd buy things for some crazy deal and then resell them to the neighborhood or whoever. So um, I, I, I learned to like the grocery store at an early age, and it's probably one of my favorite things to do is to go to the grocery store. Wow. Do you, and you, do you cook or? No. no okay. yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I, here's so. the thing. I, I feel like I gather the food. Uh-huh. <laughs> if I go into the grocery store, it's a very primal thing, and uh-huh. then my wife prepares the food. <laughs> Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how good are you at replying to text messages in a timely manner? I feel like I'm an eight or nine. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't like to have inboxes, email, text, anything that are unanswered. As busy as you are, that's very impressive. Yeah, no, I, I, it's a pet peeve of mine. My wife has like a million unopened emails, and uh, I, I about freak out on that one. So yeah, wow. I'm, I'm zero. My, you can look at my inbox right now, and it's going to be a one or a zero. Wow, that's super. Okay, I mean, 
Now I feel like I've just lost all ability to complain about my own clutter. And What's your number? Are you, do you let it, you let it accumulate? Emails. Well, text I'll answer, but emails is like over a hundred. Oh yeah. I'm a zero. I'm checking my phone now. I, there's the proof, right? That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. No. Well, I'm, yeah. but I'm not afraid to delete things either. Yeah. Like if, if somebody sends me an email that's junk, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Out of my life. You don't necessarily have to reply to it. It's just gone. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I reply most of the time, but I get a lot of unsolicited stuff, but, oh, right. Right. And I unsubscribe to anything. If, if you put me on a mailing list, gone, blocked, gone. Oh, okay. That's smart. I don't do mailing lists. So. That's smart. Uh, what is the best way to get out of a conversation with someone who won't stop talking? I don't feel like I have that problem. Really? Um, every once in a while I get a long talker, but usually I'm just so busy, I, it kind of like handles itself. That's a good point. You know, now that you say that, I'm sure like like even if you're, you're at one of your businesses and somebody's doing a conversation with you, they're like, all right, this guy's got to go. Yeah. They're not like, oh, he's got all the time in the world to just sit and talk. Yeah, to usually you. it kind of handles itself. Yeah. Like, usually I, I have, I keep a really tight schedule with scheduled out usually in an hourly box or less and it kind of handles itself do you have a good calendar app or anything that you like i just use this the standard iphone calendar app wow and it works great for me i don't have any issues okay if you could pick only one form of social media to use and drop all the rest which would it be would be twitter yeah It's, it's got all the news in it everything i'm really interested in is there so you know there's a problem though like you know i know you're we were on early, we were early Twitter people. And yeah. I feel like Twitter's, first gen. yes, first gen, um, Twitter's not as fun as it used to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how do you deal with the, um, the negativity and the trolls and the vitriol that comes with that? Yeah. I mean, I think you just, you block people that, uh, you don't want to hear from that are consistently negative. You choose wisely who you follow. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what? If if I'm not in a spot where I need to see anything negative, I don't just don't open it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, what advice would you give someone who is having a hard time getting over a mistake they've made? Uh, recognize you're going to make a lot more. <laughs> 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 I've made a lot of mistakes, and uh, you know, I think that's part of life. I mean, I don't regret them because they they make you better. And I think um, you know I, I try to keep that mentality that mistakes are not always a bad thing. Sometimes there's not anything to be learned from a mistake. Uh, I'm a big believer in, in failing forward, you know, the, which is really just the practice of, hey, I'm going to do something. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, I'm going to fail and hopefully get something out of it, learn something from it. Uh, but I think failure is just a part of life, and it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a bad thing if you don't learn anything from it, mm-hmm. um, undoubtedly. But most failures can be learned from. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so the next one is a wild card question where I'm mixing it up for each person. And of course, as a parent, I like talking to other parents about parenting. So I wanted to ask you with your this two This is girls, your wild card. It's a parenting question. Okay, yes. I'm ready. <laughs> what is the biggest challenge that you found uh, of being a parent? Oh, biggest challenge. Reading the room. <laughs> <laughs> so I have you know, two daughters and obviously I'm married. So wife. And at any given time. One of the three is usually in a good mood. One's kind of neutral and one's in a bad mood. Okay. And reading the room, because it changes. Like you can be in the room and five minutes later, like it'll move. So being able to read the room and know which one's in a good mood, which one's not in a good mood, and which one's neutral and being able to kind of work the room. Okay. That is the biggest challenge for me. 
So how do you just uh, kind of go toward the one in the good mood, let the one in the bad mood let, have their space? or how Pretty do you much, yeah. It? yeah. It's about giving space to the one in the bad mood and, and then um, – but figuring that out is difficult. Like, yeah. When you get home, you're like, all right. <laughs> I feel like I'm you know, an NFL quarterback and I'm looking at the defense like, all right, I think that's the mic. That's the mic. And that's the Sam. Uh, but um, – I think that's probably the biggest challenge, and that, that's a house of three girls. So yeah. it might not apply to other parents. Yeah, okay, that's good. Uh, if someone blatantly wrecked you to win a race, would you interrupt their celebration? <laughs> probably not, no. No, my dad did one time. Really? Yeah, he got wrecked uh, for a win. One time when he was running ARCA, and the guy went on and won the race, and uh, my dad got in his race car. I was there. He fired it up. It was out of the, he was out of the race. Somehow it ran enough for him to get back on the track. And he drove out on the track and T-boned the guy. Wow. And there was a huge fight. Like the grandstands came out on the racetrack. I mean, it was like an epic brawl. Um, and uh, I'll never forget, I was probably 10 years old. I was in the grandstands. It was in a small racetrack in Ohio. And I'll never forget, like, my jaw being dropped watching. I mean, it was like a brawl. I mean, there was grown men everywhere fighting. And, and that was back before the days of social media, so I don't even know if there's any video of it. But uh, I, I think after that happened, I probably would not do that again. <laughs> I mean, we're talking grown men everywhere. It was like the whole garage, the stands emptied out. It was epic. Wow. So, yeah, you see the consequences of that. In your yeah, I, I think I saw that at an early age. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's not a great idea. <laughs> wow, wow, that's something. Um, what movie do you think you've seen the most times over the last year? It's probably a kid's movie. Yeah. Because I live in a house with kids. Uh, so I'm going to guess it's probably like either Nemo, because my kids love Nemo. Okay. Or Dory. Either one of those two you're going to find on in our house once every couple weeks. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For us, it's been uh, Encanto, Frozen. Encanto, yeah, yeah. Not Frozen. You know, Frozen. We went through a Frozen phase, but mm -hmm. we kind of left the Frozen phase mm -hmm. about a year and a half ago. So just this is the trick of this because you asked a year in the last year. From a year and a half ago, two years ago, we were full on Aladdin. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Every day Aladdin. I could sing all the songs like. But we got out of that phase. So, you know, in parenting, you have phases with your kids. You just ride the wave. Yeah, it's nice when you move on. You don't have to hear those songs anymore. And I know. do kind of miss Aladdin, though. <laughs> I like I liked Aladdin. Put it on your phone right now. Yeah, oh, I probably have it somewhere. <laughs> um, when you think about NASCAR five years from now, what are you the most optimistic about and what worries you the most? I'm most optimistic about um, the TV model. Mm -hmm. I feel really good about it. I think it's really interesting because I've, I've read a lot of people who are talking about how streaming is going to be awful, terrible. I think it's going to be the best thing that ever happened in the sport. Um, and, and I think it's coming. Specifically, you know, I, I talked to my uncle last night. and My uncle, you have to understand, my uncle, don't, to, to fully get this, but he refuses to buy cable. Wow. Refuse, his whole life he's refused to buy cable. He thought it was a scam. He's not going to do it. And uh, so he'll watch broadcast races. But if it's not on broadcast... He'll just log in on the internet and watch on uh, NASCAR.com or something like that. And, okay. And that's how he watches race. But she's got the money to buy on cable. You're like, just, I keep telling him, just buy. He's like, I'm not spending 120 bucks a month on cable to watch two channels. I, I get it. But anyway, I, I we were talking uh, the other night about this. And I told him, you know, the streaming thing's coming. And, and he went into this kind of 
rant of oh, I don't know, streaming and I don't know. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is the best thing that could ever happen to you. You're gonna be able to watch the one thing you want to watch for way less money. Yeah. And you know, most I feel like most of our fans probably fall into this category where they probably watch four or five channels on TV. They probably have a cable or satellite bill that's hundred some dollars a month or more. And by going to streaming, they're going to be able to watch what they want to watch for way less money. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a game changer. Um, I think it's going to be a great thing for our, our fan base. So I'm really excited about that. And, and I, I, I'm mildly amused by people who look at it and say this is going to be awful. Because I think it's going to be the exact opposite. It's hmm. going to be a, a huge boon for our sport. And not just our sport. Lots of sports are going to go this way. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited to see how that plays out. Maybe I'm 100% wrong, uh, but you know, I, I, that's my 10-year crystal ball of streaming's coming. It's going to be a huge hit. People are going to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, what am I the least excited about? <sighs> Probably the uh, effects of you know our current political climate on motorsports. Hmm. You know whether that's the you know, economics of fuel and, and where we seem to be going there, um, you know, and kind of this growing divide from people that think ice engines are great versus uh, battery electrical vehicles. We're, we're, we're really fragmenting as a population. And how that's going to affect motorsports is not very exciting to me. It's just unknown, but it's not very exciting to me. Uh, but it's going to be a huge change. Yeah, that's right. Wow, interesting. Um, so speaking of Aladdin, I guess, a magic genie appears and offers you the chance to go back to the beginning of your racing career and start all over. But the catch is that you get to retain all of the knowledge and experience that you have hmm. now. So do you stay where you are or do you go back and start all over? No, I stay where I'm at. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. I mean, going back sounds great. And, and you know, it, it's. I think everyone looks back with nostalgia. And you remember the good moments and not the bad moments. One of the beautiful things about what I've done here with RFK is I've, I've had a moment to almost do that. Mm-hmm. And you start to remember how painful it is to uh. start over. And all the things that you, you had and you don't, you're like, oh, I, I built this relationship with so-and-so. And like, now you're rebuilding relationships with different people, and it's, it's incredibly complicated. Uh, it's, a, it's a difficult task, and it gets more challenging to do as you get older because you have more things going on in your life. You know, when I was starting my racing career, I was, you know, early 20s. Let's face it, I didn't have much of a life outside of racing. Like, I could invest 100% of my time all the time to building those relationships and to, you know, studying different things. And uh, if anything, it's, it's harder now, hmm. uh, I, I think. So, um, no, I wouldn't. And I do have dreams of, like, man, I wish I could go back 10 years ago and invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, like, I do have those moments. Yeah, absolutely. But as far as my actual racing career, no. Okay, that makes total sense. Uh, so each week I ask a driver to give me a question for the next person. Um, last week was your former teammate, Will Power, and unfortunately he didn't know it was for you. And his question is actually applies to you in a weird way because he said – he wanted to know, I, all he knew is, is a NASCAR driver. And he said, would you like to do what Jimmy has done and run an Indy car or at least test one? However, you did test I one did that, yeah. in Check. 2016. So yeah. uh, based on that experience, I assume uh, that was the end of your Indy car career. Would you I like had to a do blast. Um, the issue at hand was that uh, Ford did not have an Indy car team. And Ford did not want 
any of their drivers to run in an in, in IndyCar. Oh, okay. Um, and so I did the test, which was kind of like a, I got permission for that. Uh-huh. And that was kind of where it, it ended. And, uh, you know, so now the conversation naturally is like, well, you are your own owner now. You can do whatever you want. I still have, you know, arrangements with, with Ford that I have to respect. And I don't have an IndyCar team. So, yeah. Um, it doesn't really work out now. Did you like it enough that, you know, in a perfect world that you would have liked to do it again? Or was it so different? I was interested. That, I was super yeah. interested specifically in the Indy 500. Yeah. You know, the, was it 2011, I think, when, um, you know, IndyCar had that double deal. Uh, it was like the Las Vegas million, or I can't remember what it was. Uh, and, you know, it ended very tragically. Right. But I thought that was a great idea. I thought they were really on to something there. And uh, I would have loved to have done it. Um, at that time, I was... I would have gone for it if I had the opportunity at the time. Yeah. Um, at that time, it was, I think, Honda. I don't think Chevrolet was even there. But it was a Honda and Chevy. And so it didn't work out then either because mm-hmm. there was no Ford in it. Right. Or, or Dodge, I think it was at the time for me. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure who the next interview is with yet. So you can either give a question for any NASCAR driver or um, when I know who it's with, I can ask you. And since you're good at replying via text, then you can give me the question that way. Okay. Uh, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to be on the positive side. Okay. I'd like to know whoever it is that you're going to interview, their favorite fan interaction. Oh, I like that. Over, over their entire career. Okay, favorite what? fan interaction in their career. Okay, that's good. Everyone's got one really great story. You're like, wow, that was awesome. Okay, okay, I'd cool. Like to hear. All right. Well, thank you, as always, for doing this, and hopefully this wasn't the end of the run. No, I'll agree to that. Okay, all right. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. All right, everybody, there you have it. Brad Keselowski, of course, interesting, as always, always has some uh, insightful answers and uh, things to, to say that can only come from the mind of Brad Keselowski, so appreciate him sharing that, of course. Still not sure who that question will be for the next driver, but hopefully we'll get a good answer. And uh, we're already starting to wind down a little bit here with the 12 questions for the year. Uh, what have we got? Seven left or something like that. So it's, it's going to go quickly here. Uh, appreciate you, though, for listening all season long to these and uh, your support, I guess, whether you listen or read them. Probably listening, though, since you're listening to this one. But either way, thanks for uh, taking the time out of your day to do so. And I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.